Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. Find it here every week on SEM Synergy. Join your host as we learn from the elite of search engine marketing pros and find the winning formula for exceptional search engine marketing. Get the latest news, trends, and analysis in SEO, PPC, branding, SEO design, and analytics. Now, welcome your host, a founding father of SEO and an accomplished search engine marketing scholar, the host of SEM Synergy, Bruce Clay. Welcome to SEM Synergy. I'm Virginia Nessie, Content and Media Manager at Bruce Clay. SEM Synergy is the weekly digital marketing podcast from Bruce Clay Company, airing Wednesdays at 3 Pacific on Webmaster Radio, on iTunes, and now we're on iHeartRadio. Uh, if you're listening, will you review us or rate us on iTunes? I've been watching our numbers of star ratings go up. Thank you so much. If you haven't yet, leave a note in the iTunes reviews by going to scmsynergy.com slash iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. This week, Bruce is out of the country. He's presenting SEO training in India with our colleagues at Bruce Clay India. But we've got a great show lined up for you today. Later on, Neil Patel of Kissmetrics, Crazy Egg, and Quick Sprout, he'll be joining us to share his SEO predictions for 2015. And there are some really interesting things about link building and about branding. And I, you should definitely stay stick around for that. But first, a note from the content and SEO teams here in our office. I think we've all been on the show before? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then I'll let everybody say hello. Hi, I'm Christy Kellogg, I'm a content writer for Bruce Clay Inc. and a community manager. And I'm Paula Allen, another technical writer for the group. And I'm John Alexander, and I'm one of the SEO analysts here at Bruce Clay. Last week, we were all part of a conversation with visitors from Bruce Clay Japan. Um, Ricky and eBay are, were visiting for a week, I think. They attended the SEO training. One of them is the director of maybe digital marketing. Um, and then um, that's, that's Ricky and eBay is um, in, on the business development side. And um, from time to time here at the office, we do have um, our international teams visiting. And so they can, you know, just as we advise clients and have our own staff attend training, you know, keep it fresh connect with Bruce, um, just uh, continuing education and um, team building. So we got to have a conversation with them about our content creation process and bounce ideas back and we learned a lot about the state of SEO and digital marketing in Japan and Indonesia actually. Yeah, that was interesting that they're trying to open up the Indonesian market from the Japan office. Yeah, that was news to me too. Mm-hmm. And. Um, in terms of like where they are in Japan, um, PPC seems to make up a primary part of their business there. Um, but one thing that was interesting, Paula, and I'll let you talk about this, is um, in Indonesia, uh, the internet, internet marketing hasn't really taken off yet. Businesses don't have a great presence on the web. He talked about how everybody's on the internet, all, everyone's using the internet, but they're using it for Facebook and t- to manage contacts, basically. Yeah, that was a really interesting um, tidbit that in Indonesia, people cycle through so many phone numbers all the time because they're using prepaid phones that 
keeping a static, stable address book is, is not easy. And so they use Facebook to stay in touch with people. And that's the primary use that they make of the internet. So as a business trying to launch with SEO services in that area, they've got, I think it's kind of an exciting challenge of a brand new market to break into. And especially since Facebook has already <clears throat> been in the process of trying to integrate advertising in different ways to expose users and customers to new services, new products, um, it's definitely a market if you were trying to break into that really want to capitalize on uh, the tools that Facebook has made available to businesses, as well as some of the other social uh, media apps they said that are taking off. I think the other one they said was Line, which I'm not familiar with, but they both said uh, gets used frequently, I think especially in Japan, um, but definitely, as you're saying, means for businesses you got to do a lot of research and make sure you understand the markets you're, you're going into, what's going to give you the best uh, return on investment. I think you compared Line to WhatsApp. Right, mm -hmm. it's more of a messaging app. And it makes sense if that's what the, the phone and the internet is used for, that it's like a contact, like a chat service. Right. Mm. Oh, that's right. But Google is there. And newly. Newly yes. there. Um, certainly the algorithms are less advanced than they are here in the U.S. And so we were able to sort of shed light on their future because it's a predictable path that they will become uh, more advanced, that businesses will start adopting the internet for doing business. And probably before that, that consumers will start searching for a place right. to, I don't know, get a manicure or a pizza or... Do know. they have pizza in Indonesia? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be interesting to see as well, just speculating again about the future in some of these markets because uh, particularly with Android phones, Google Now uh, is continually having a more and more robust presence, um, which is almost like passive searching, um, so that your Android phone will track things that you're looking for, things you're engaging with. There's been talk about um, actually having a listening mode on some phones so that if it's aware of what you're watching on TV, your phone is not listening to you, to be clear. But Google uh, and some of the other phone manufacturers have been looking at ways to take in information from a user's environment to determine what uh, they might look for next. So it's possible that, uh, I don't know if the prepaid phones have Google now, but um, there's no idea. It's an interesting future that they have ahead of them. Right. Do you remember anything from the content discussion that stood out to you, Christy? Um, let's see. I remember they asked a question that I'm sure a lot of people have when creating content, and that was, what do you do when you get bored and you can't think of anything else to write? Um, and the answer is you can't get bored and you always have to be able to think of something to write. So we shared our tips for um, breaking through writer's block, if you will. Um, what did we say? We talked about like the car industry, for example, and how you just have to research and one of the best places to go is the questions that you yourself as a writer have, um, which is an advantage if you know nothing sometimes about what you're writing about because that's what people are going to be searching for. And then you have to keep researching and become an expert on that topic. Mm -hmm. So the short answer is you can't get bored and you just have to keep going. But it was a good question. Right. It helps to be curious in mm -hmm. our line of work. Yes. Right. And the second point that was interesting was they asked 
how long should a content page be when they're writing content for client pages? And, um, and of course, this is more in Japan, I think, at this point than in Indonesia. But their standard for their writers right now is 300 words per page. And we, we held back a chuckle, I think, when we heard that because we know that um, search engines expect much longer content to really reward it with an expertness rating. And so we, we kind of shed light on that and said, well, maybe now that works, but in the future, you might think about going to 500 to 1,000 words per page, depending on the type of page, of course. Yeah, I think that it is cool that we're in this position of being able to kind of see the future for them. and. Um, and so you recommended, Paula, um, that they look to ways to create resources that really establish their expertise early on, since it is like a breaking market. And I think this is something that can cross you know, into m multiple like, uses. Like you don't have to be um, in a developing market, but if, you're, if your product is developing or you know, that kind of thing, then how can you create the book? How can you be the thought leader? Maybe books don't work for you. Maybe it has to be an ebook or a video. Yeah, we were a little surprised by that because when we suggested, why don't you become the leader of good ethical SEO thought by publishing a book and you know circulating it either printed or as an ebook in Indonesia, and then your brand will become known as the expert for SEO. And that'd be perfect positioning. And they just shook their heads and they said, well, people don't read books in Indonesia. And I still can't get my head around that. How can you not read books? They then gave the suggestion of like making short videos or maybe we gave that suggestion. Someone think, gave that yes, suggestion. Yes, you did. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, so videos would work for them. But yes, I find it shocking too that <laughs> books are not prevalent. But points to them for knowing the audience well enough to say, yeah, that wouldn't be the best. Yes. There's no best. point in writing a book if no one will read it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's true with any industry. Like you were saying, Virginia, it's broader. I mean, if you're starting any new venture, going into any new market, what is the best method for that audience to consume what information you have to give? Think about it. And I do bet that video would work if people are sharing it on Facebook, if it's a punchy animated, like your business here, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, it was a really interesting conversation and it was awesome to have um, our friends from Japan and Indonesia in the office. We learned a lot. All right, we're gonna take a quick break before Neil Patel joins the show. So stay right there, more SEM Synergies on the way. Don't go away, SEM Synergy will be right back. ShipStation helps online retailers ship orders faster. It's so easy to set up and use. ShipStation gives you tools to automatically import, manage, and ship your orders in the most cost-efficient way. Save money with the best USPS rates possible, as well as a free USPS account. ShipStation integrates with all the most popular e-commerce platforms and shipping carriers. Get shipping done no matter where you sell or how you ship. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana. 
Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. InternetMarketingINC.com is one of the fastest-growing full-service digital marketing agencies in the country, specializing in providing results-driven online marketing solutions. Internet Marketing Inc.'s passionate team prides themselves on staying ahead of marketing trends to create and implement campaigns that get more traffic to your website, gain positive brand awareness, and drive conversions. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Search engine marketing formulated for Web 2.0. You're listening to SEM Synergy on webmasterradio.fm. Hi, this is Virginia Nussie of SEM Synergy, and today's very special guest is Neil Patel. Neil is the co-founder of Crazy Egg, Hello Bar, and Kiss Metrics, and also blogs at Quick Sprout. And um, I could name a lot of really awesome and impressive facts about Neil. You are a top 100 entrepreneur under 30, named by President Obama, and a top 100 entrepreneur under 35 by the United Nations. That's crazy. Um, You're a top influencer on the web, according to the Wall Street Journal. And basically, you are the top when it comes to getting eyeballs on a website and getting traffic. So thank you for coming on the show, Neil. Thank you for having me. Um, I am really excited because there's so much I could talk about and ask you about. Um, For one, I'm looking forward to meeting you and hearing you talk at the Search Engine Journal Summit in Santa Monica next month. So I'll be sure to come by and introduce myself. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll be there as well, as you mentioned, um, and uh, look forward to meeting you as well. 
Um, at the beginning of this month, you wrote um, 10 marketing predictions you should, that you should prepare for in 2015. Um, and there are three that I was hoping we might just kind of get into um, with this time we have on the show. So one of them is old school link building will be more popular than ever. Um, that's, you know, link building is such a um, hot topic uh, in SEO. Um, and old school link building has its, you know, uh, pros as well as its, its dangers. Um, but then you wrote a post called Seven Proactive Ways to Get Backlinks That'll Boost Your Traffic. Um, and at the top of that list, you look at answering questions on Quora and Haro, help a reporter out. Um, can you talk about old school link building and how that fits into a strategy? Yeah, so the way I see old school link building is a lot of manual and grunt work. Okay, if you look at new school link building, like how do I just create an infographic and how do I get it popular and people linking back to me naturally, or how do I buy links and all that kind of stuff, which is dangerous. But old school is like, uh, all right, who's linking to my competitors or other sites if these links are broken? Now these broken links, you know, what portion can I get to point to my website? Or, you know, who's linking to my competitor on resource pages and can I just manually hit them all up and ask those people for links? It's old tactics. It's not sexy. It's very time-intensive, but it works. Sure, most of the people you email won't link back, but even if 5% of those people do link back to you, you've picked up quite a bit of links and you will notice that those links will help boost your rank. So if you were, like, in your um, strategy for, say, like Gawker or TechCrunch, do you look at old-school link, link building as a tactic, or is that new-school link building, or does link building even play a part? So you're saying if I was TechCrunch or Gawker, the website, and I was trying to build mm -hmm. links, or are you saying would you go after those type of sites to build links? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're um, you're pretty famous for helping TechCrunch, you know, get like 30% more traffic in six months. So, um, did link building have a, a role in that strategy? It did not, because if you look at these popular sites on the web, Gawker, TechCrunch, Huffington Post, etc., they're covering time-based stuff like news. And they're already getting a lot of links naturally without actually even doing much work. But the problem that they run into is their code is really messy. So by fixing the code, that's how it's able to increase the traffic. The way I see just old-school link building, and it works for a lot of businesses, it's just a time-consuming process that you have to do to reach out to people and beg for links in essence. That's what you're doing. Right or helping others out and like responding on forms, etc. You have to be careful because you don't want to be spammy or just use rich anchor tags or stuff in the link where it doesn't make sense. But as long as you're doing stuff that you know is in the best benefit of the visitor or the website reader, etc., you typically are going to be fine. Okay. Well, you you mentioned like the dangerous kind of spammy. Um... Uh, border, like you wrote this post, how to build high-quality backlinks in a scalable way. So, you know, if you're going to be doing all this grunt work, like how can you make it scale? There is one step, um, the two-tier linking strategy, and it almost sounds like like borderline, like kind of dangerous territory. 
you? Yeah, some some of it could be considered dangerous. Some of it may not, right? If you're just building links, let's say you're doing uh, to, to, you're linking to the people that link to you. Now, if you're buying links and stuff, yeah, it is dangerous. But let's say New York Times article links to you and you got good press, and that awesome article is awesome. Not just that you believe it's awesome, but other people believe it's awesome. Why can't you go out there and build links in New York Times? It doesn't really cause any harm, right? It's just more mm-hmm. so if people really think it's awesome, they will link to it. You're not purchasing the link. You're not holding your gun to their head saying they have to link to you. Instead, all you're just saying is, hey, this New York Times article, yeah, it features our company, et cetera. It talks about X, Y, Z as well. If you like it, then feel free to link to it. For example, let's say that New York Times article was uh, 10 social media tools you have to use for your small and medium business. All right? Now, if you're on that list and you tell other people, hey, this is a really valuable article, it can benefit your readers, you know, you should consider linking to it. If they like the article, they'll link to it. If they don't, they won't link to you, right? So it's just like you're not forcing anyone to do any of that. Instead, you're just saying, hey, it's a good piece of content. If you like it, you know, do something. If you don't, then ignore this email. For sure. Okay. So you're boosting up high, like, value um, links to your site. Yeah, if Joe the Plumber links to you, you shouldn't end up spending time to build links to Joe the Plumber. Why? Because no one's going to want to link to him, right? That link was probably bought or paid for or irrelevant, etc. You only want to do this with high-quality sites that are linking back to you. Okay, so now we are hearing about, like, social media coming into play and maybe, you know, sharing these links on social media. And your prediction number four is social media will become the cornerstone of blogging. And a really good example of that is how your fifth blog at neilpatel.com is getting, like, 29,000-plus visitors a month in just a couple months um, based on your kind of sharing that content on social media. And that's correct. If I look at that site, it's done well purely because of one reason, social media. Sure, the content's good, but a lot of people write good content. What's unique about that, right? Like, nothing. It's not uncommon. Sure, my content might be a bit more thorough um, and a bit more higher quality than other people's, but, like, still, it's just content, right? So it's like if you actually spend more time and energy building up your social channel such as paying for a Facebook advertising to your fan page or whatever it may be, you'll build a bigger social following. Then when you promote your own blog post to that following, you actually get quite a bit more traffic. So in terms of, like, social media boosting blogging, what are the KPIs you want to pay attention to? Just growing the size of your network, right? Just grow the size of your network, and are the fans and the followers or whatever you want to be calling them, they are adding to your fan page or your following, are they relevant? In which, you know, if I have an Internet marketing blog, I don't want just random people like Joe the Plumber signing up and subscribing to the fan page, unless Joe knows how to do some HTML and one marketing his own website, right? So it's like you got to be adding relevant fans. You can't just look at a pure quantity um, would you like then recommend, um, or do you recommend like um, fan growth campaigns, say like on Facebook or? I do, and I would recommend that companies spend an arm and a leg on it. Why? Because it's going to become more and more expensive as time continues. 
Mm. Um, well, you do a ton of blogging, and I think this probably um, has a lot to do with your number 10 prediction, or I mean, a lot to do with a lot of things, but number 10, people will start building their personal brands. Um, and you've got some other cool resources on this, how to build a million-dollar business from your personal brand and how, you know, um, how to make money from, being, from your personal brand. But why did you decide to start a personal blog? How do you decide what content publishes where? I guess this is a lot of questions at once, but... Yeah, I started a personal blog years ago because I wanted to generate business for my company. The side effect from it was I realized that, hey, I'm building a brand and people are getting to know me and they're starting to love me, etc. And this is also helping me personally make more money and it's helping my company. It's like a win-win benefit, right? Mm. So I think you're going to start seeing more people do that. So even if you don't own a business, you can create a blog, build a name, and actually you know, make more money. For example... Robert Scoble is a well-known blogger, right? He wrote uh, that book called Naked Conversations years ago about blogging. He became somewhat popular from it, and, you know, he's a pretty big presence online. Now, if you look at him, he has a good job. I still believe he works for Rackspace. I could be wrong, but last time I checked, he worked for them. I'm pretty sure he's getting paid exceptionally well due to the fact of his online presence. Um, one of the things that I really like about what, the content that you publish is the like graphics and you know you mentioned how like infographics are new style link building um do you do you design the graphics yourself or do you kind of work closely with designers um and i work like closely all your... with designers i don't have a design bone in my body oh sure i mean but yes, uh, does every every piece of content you kind of look to your designers and say, now what can you can you create for this? No, just mainly infographics. So mm -hmm. infographics designer will help. If it's a normal blog post, I'll just go like Patoli or somewhere and just grab some stock images or take some screenshots from around the web and link back to the sites that I'm using screenshots from. Even your about page, though, you have an infographic about yourself. Yeah, I mean, infographic. Yeah. That's correct. So I do try to get creative when possible. Well, it really stands out. Um, okay, so uh, I guess everyone listening should go to quicksprout.com slash blog to read more from Neil and neilpatel.com. Um, so much smart strategies and, like, a great stream of it. So, um are there any other upcoming projects or appearances you want to share or point people to? Nope, that's mainly you pretty much covered it. Okay, cool. Well, it's been great talking to you, Neil, and um, I will see you at Search Engine Journal Summit in San Francisco or Santa Monica. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. Get links and notes from today's show at SEMSynergy.com. See you all next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business -business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm.
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.